Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. It's almost the end of the month. You have basically one more week left in this month. And can you believe we are already in the first week of spring? Yep, we're there. And I don't know about you, but I'm in Atlanta and it still feels like it is very frigid winter here. All I can say is global warming is very real. And so maybe we should start looking at more electric cars or something so we won't have all this wintry weather in what we thought would be springtime, but it's really not. Okay, so this week, as we wait for the sunlight and the heat to return to the springtime, We're going to talk specifically about a certain type of skin condition called melanoma. Now, we previously brushed over melanoma when we discussed skin changes in pregnancy during the episode entitled Skin with our very good friend, dermatologist, Dr. Diane Davis. But we're going to discuss it specifically in pregnancy. Now, if you want to know more about skin condition like melasma pregnancy and itching in pregnancy and pubs, Go back and listen to that episode, which I believe was in season two, I think. But either way, you should be catching up on all the episodes of the podcast. So go ahead, go back and listen. Melanoma is one of the most common malignancies. And when we say malignancies, we mean cancer that's diagnosed in pregnancy. But we've got to remember that any cancer in pregnancy is not really all that common. It's pretty rare. When we talk about melanomas and all cancers in general that can arise during pregnancy, Melanomas account for about 31% of those cancers. So it is a big deal. It's a third of the cancers that we diagnose in pregnancy because most women with melanoma are of childbearing age, meaning they're between the ages of 30 and 45 when they are diagnosed. Now, the management of women diagnosed with melanoma during pregnancy is pretty controversial, particularly because it not only concerns getting that initial biopsy, but it also, if it's diagnosed, mean that you have to get more of an extensive dissection. And that extensive dissection is called a sentinel node biopsy, meaning we'll do an excision of any lesion that's suspicious on the skin. And then we want to put inject dye to trace out where that main node is and get that node and send that off to see if it is cancerous. Now, it's crucial to know what that sentinel node is, meaning the status of whether it's cancerous or not, because that means that it's metastatic or not. So that changes completely the prognosis, meaning how good or bad you'll do with that cancer, depending on 
if you have lymph nodes that are positive or not, with the main lymph node being the sentinel lymph node that feeds and branches into other lymph nodes. Now, the general approach to treatment of a pregnancy-associated melanoma should be based on the same approach as in the management of a woman who is not pregnant. So we should not delay management until after the pregnancy. Melanomas can be very, very aggressive, okay? Now, when people talk about skin cancer and melanoma, they start to freak out because they start to look for any little mole that they have on them. Oh my God, is that a mole? Oh my God, is there a mole on my face? Calm down. We all have moles, but we all need to be conscious of the moles that we have. So if you have a mole that's not raised and all of a sudden that mole is raised, that's a change in the mole. If you have different shades of black and brown and gray within a mole, that is a complex mole. That's concerning. If you have a mole that starts to bleed and not just because you're picking with it, which shouldn't be picking with it, or spread, so it's wider in diameter, over a short period of time, then you should always get those moles checked. And honestly, anytime you have moles, you should make sure your dermatologist knows about it, or at least your primary care provider, so that they can keep an eye on all of those moles so that they know when to refer you for further workup and or when to do a biopsy. Now, the management becomes a little more complex if they do a biopsy and those margins show that a melanoma is present. And so then they have to go in and do what's called a wide local excision, which means they're going to make like sort of like a trapezoid shape around that lesion and excise it. Now, if the margins are positive, meaning the depth of it still has cancer, that means it's deeper or the margins still have cancer. That means it's deeper. Then you may need a sentinel node biopsy to see if you have a more advanced stage stage. That's needed, y'all. So if a skin lesion becomes cancerous or appears cancerous, get the punch biopsy in the little office from your PCP first. Then if it's cancerous, your primary care provider is going to refer you to a cancer doctor called an oncologist who will likely recommend a wide local excision with or without the sentinel biopsy. Now, this can all be performed very safely in pregnancy, but the use of any dyes should be avoided. And I say that because usually they inject a certain type of dye and that dye is going to go to the sentinel node. So that should be avoided. Specifically, the avoidance of a blue dye and the use of technidium 99 alone. Okay, so that is a particular dye that needs to be substituted. Okay, now if possible, you can delay the sentinel node biopsy until the second trimester. And it's not really the sentinel node biopsy. That is the biggest concern, especially if we have substitution of that dye. It is putting you under anesthesia. So any procedure that we can delay beyond the first trimester, we want to do. Because we know that just putting you under general anesthesia has a risk of dropping the baby's heart rate, which can be associated with decreased heart tones, can be associated with decreased oxygen delivery to certain organs. The baby is a person, and if it's not carrying oxygen to certain organs, you can end up with some bad things happening. You can end up with brain infarcts because of decreased oxygen and decreased perfusion or blood flow through the body of that baby. It can put your baby at risk for being smaller. It can affect the function of the placenta and the placenta getting blood flow. So you can see infarcts at the level of the placenta. Now, obviously, if we have to do a surgery in the first trimester, which we often do do, like if you have 
to have your gallbladder removed, or let's say somebody has a heart attack, we have to do certain procedures that are life sustaining. Okay. So you may not have a choice, but in this case, if we can delay the onset of this surgery until the second trimester, which starts at 13 weeks, then that's what's recommended. If it already looks like it's advanced, then it should not be delayed even that long. You should proceed with it. Now, surprisingly, melanoma is the the most common cancer that can be spread to your unborn child. So it can spread to the placenta. It can spread to the fetus. Now, this is super rare, but it can happen. And it's usually in people with a widely metastatic disease. So people that have stage two, three, four metastatic melanoma are much more likely than people that super early stage one uh, melanoma. But I've seen it happen with placentas that have melanoma and I've seen it happen with fetuses being infected, affected by melanoma. So it can happen. Now, even if the placenta is involved with the melanoma and you see it, meaning there's a mass in the placenta, it has been estimated that the fetus is only affected about 25% of those cases with placental involvement. So that is one thing. It's not like if you have melanoma, it's a for sure thing that will happen. It is super rare and it's more likely for the placenta to get uh, the cancer spread than it is the baby. Okay. Both don't have to get cancer. Okay, so now that you know a little bit about melanomas and how it can affect your pregnancy, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 28-week pregnant patient who has known advanced melanoma. She has had a wide local excision with sentinel node biopsy. However, she has now been told she has advanced disease. She was told that radiation therapy was recommended but she is unsure of the effects to her unborn baby. She was referred for consultation and management recommendations. Okay, so you're heading into your third trimester with this baby. You've already had wide local excision. My first question would be, is chemotherapy not an option? Okay, so I would want to first discuss with your oncologist their chemotherapy recommendations, whether or not it was recommended, recommended, and if it's not recommended and they recommend radiation, if it can be done to slow the progression of the cancer until you deliver. So to try to get you further out into the pregnancy before you need radiation. Radiation is just not safe in pregnancy. Okay. You're radiating and killing cells. Okay. Usually that causes issues with, um, it can cause issues with fibrosis or like building up of scar tissue. It can kill cells. It makes your skin uh, more rigid tougher, drier. Um, It can have lasting effects on the baby and brain development. So we do not want people getting radiation therapy in pregnancy. And so that's why the mainstay would be to give you some type of second or third uh, or third tier treatment, even if first tier is not safe in pregnancy to see if that can slow the progression of the cancer. And then if it's to the point where we see that, you know, the parameters that we're following are, you know, continue to show signs of cancer advancement, then we have no choice but to deliver you early. You would get steroids to help accelerate the baby's lungs. We put you on magnesium to help stabilize the baby's brain cells because some babies that are born premature have an increased risk of having little strokes in the brain and bleeds in the brain and seizures. And so magnesium that we give you 
can stabilize the baby's brain cells. So we give you those things in anticipation of early delivery. But yeah, if you need radiation, hopefully we can get you to 32 weeks, which is a much better gestational age than 28 weeks. Deliver you, you could still be induced unless there's other indications or many other reasons that you can't have a vaginal delivery, such as you had a previous C-section or you have a lot of fibroids that are blocking the cervix or you know you your pelvis um, is not adequate or the baby's in acute distress. And those are reasons that you have to deliver via C-section. But if you don't have any of those indications, you can be induced um, even at something like 32 weeks. You can be induced and they can follow your labor and give you medicines to put you into labor. And then once you have a baby, they usually let you requ- recover a couple of weeks and then you would start radiation therapy, okay? Um, so if you need radiation, you need to get it because melanoma, once it's advanced, can be very dangerous and very lethal. So it's really important for us to be very aggressive with this. My other question besides can you get chemo for a short period of time to sort of ward off progression of the cancer is where is the metastasis? So it says you have advanced disease, which to me means it's spread somewhere. Okay, it's spread somewhere. We're talking about spread through the thickness and to lymph nodes, or we're talking about at far off places because melanoma can spread as a tumor to the brain. So how much spread have we already had? And what is the likelihood of survivability beyond the pregnancy? So we always want to say, hey, if we can intervene now, her survivability is high versus if we intervene later, she may not survive another year if she doesn't have this treatment. So we always want to look at the risk versus the benefits. Now, if it's going to be you have a terminal, which I pray that you don't, type of cancer, meaning any type of chemotherapy is only going to slow things down by a little bit. Any type of radiation therapy is only going to slow progression down by a little bit. Then the question we should ask is, is it even worth putting the baby in the NICU if we know it's not going to help prolong your quality of life. So those are decisions that have to be made between you, your oncologist or your cancer doctor, your high-risk specialist, which is someone like me, your OBGYN, and the team that's giving you chemotherapy and radiation. We have to say, hey, let's come together and figure out a plan for this patient so that we can get the best possible care to prolong her life and prolong the baby's life and get the best outcome with the least amount of NICU stay, okay? So we're weighing those timings. And usually in these cases, if I get to the third trimester and an oncologist says, hey, the chemotherapy is not working anymore, which I haven't seen anything with chemotherapy. The medical assistant didn't read anything about that. But if they say the chemo is not working, we have no choice to do a Hail Mary, to do radiation, I think that this would work then I would recommend you being delivered early, even if that means that your baby may need to go to the NICU and may be premature. Now, mind you, for every week a baby is born early, that's a week a baby could be in the NICU. So if we're talking about delivering a 32-week baby, that's eight weeks a baby could potentially be in the NICU. Steroids decrease the time in the NICU in half, okay, which is why we like to do steroids for fetal lung maturity meaning to advance the lung cells and mature them so that your baby won't require such a long amount of hospitalization. Those steroids help to push the maturity of the lungs to make them more functional, to condition them 
for being on the outside world. So if we have that and we get you the third two weeks, then great. But again, we have to act in the best interest of you, the patient, to make sure that your life is optimized. Because what happens if you lose your life and you refuse treatment or you don't get aggressive treatment? Then you have a child or, you know, children, if you have more than one, that could possibly be without a mother. And we don't want that to happen either. That's a really bad scenario. Our job is to keep both the baby and the mom here for as long as we possibly can. So the case pro for this case is radiation therapy should be avoided in pregnancy. If it's required, then the patient should be delivered early and then started on radiation not start on radiation and then deliver. All right, medical intern, I know we had a couple of email questions. What's our first one? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I have melanoma and just found out that I'm eight weeks pregnant. I have already had a wide local excision. Prior to pregnancy, my oncologist mentioned starting immunotherapy. Is this safe in pregnancy? So unfortunately, immunotherapy is not safe in pregnancy. We know that immunotherapy can be associated with an increased risk of miscarriage, so we usually don't do immunotherapy. Think about it. Immunotherapy is altering your immune system okay, to not fight off its healthy cells, okay, but to only fight off the cancer cells. So it's basically trying to train your immune system to tell it what to attack, okay? And unfortunately... This is a newer, almost first-line treatment for melanoma now. It's first-line immunotherapy, wide low excision immunotherapy, as opposed to going straight to chemotherapy. But if you have immunotherapy that is crossing the placenta, not only is it suppressing the, your immune system and telling your immune system to fight off certain things, but it's also suppressing the baby's immune system. Now, we don't want to suppress the baby's immune system while the baby is starting to grow cells, doesn't even have its own functional immune system until after birth. So you're suppressing the capability of creating its own, uh, its own immune system. So that can lead to chronic diseases in your child, uh, which can be which can appear as autoimmune conditions. So we don't want to get immunotherapy in the pregnancy. We want to try a second line. Now, also at eight weeks, they would ask you if you want to continue the pregnancy. And that's just dependent on how, how, uh, what your stage is, how advanced the melanoma is. Something like an early stage one, you had a wide local excision, negative margins, then you just need surveillance and you can stay pregnant. I mean, you just need to check in with your dermatologist and your oncologist for continued monitoring screening, and you will likely be able to stay pregnant. But if you have something that's really advanced, that's spread to some other organs, then we have to ask ourselves, how aggressive do we want to be? And if you want to be aggressive to increase your likelihood of surviving this thing within five years, then you may want to talk about starting immunotherapy, but not carrying the pregnancy. This is not something I make the decision for my patients about. This is your decision. You have to know what you want your life to look like. You have to know how advanced stage your cancer is. And you have to weigh the risk of taking the medicine versus the benefit. The risk of terminating versus not terminating. It's completely up to you. There's no right or wrong answer. 
to this question, depending on how advanced your stage is. You have more of a choice, more options in terms of getting to a point where you need chemotherapy or when you must need immunotherapy, like the last patient and pulling out if you're not advanced or if you are advanced, being aggressive and acting immediately. So I'm, I'm always on the side of being as aggressive as I possibly can. And that is doing the treatment, but that may mean you lose the pregnancy. You're not advanced, then I would act on getting as far as you possibly can the pregnancy. And then if you have to have immunotherapy, delivering early to start immunotherapy. But again, this would be a multi-specialty decision and discussion with you so that a plan can be made in place. But generally speaking, immunotherapy is not recommended in pregnancy and you should talk to your oncologist to let them know that you are now pregnant. Let me also say this, people that have these cancers, not just melanoma, any cancer. I've seen a lot of people that have a history of cancer for some reason lately, whether it's breast cancer or um, bowel cancer or a history of, uh, of a rectal cancer. I've seen a lot of different cancers lately. And one thing that's been consistent is people are not using any type of contraception and family planning is the thing that can decrease your risk of a bad outcome. And so I do encourage everybody that has a history of any medical condition, but especially cancer, to make sure all of your screenings are up to date, to make sure that you're cancer free for several years before you go and try to conceive. That's very important that we're not initiating treatment in pregnancy if we can. It's better to know if there's recurrence or not. It's better to be stable without cancer for several years and get tested and monitored with imaging if needed or another biopsy to ensure that we don't still have cancer or have cancer recurrence before you have to make tough decisions like that about whether to carry the patient, uh, the baby or to terminate and seek treatment for yourself. I don't think any mom should have to make that decision. And so to avoid that, a preconception consult would definitely be recommended, meaning a consult where you sit down with either somebody like me, which is a maternal fetal medicine specialist, or your OBGYN to talk about, hey, what does pregnancy look like for me? What's the likelihood that I'm going to have advanced cancer? And how early could you intervene for me to make sure I don't get advanced cancer? And if you intervene, how early would that be for the baby and how would they be affected? So make sure you're asking those questions when you go to your doctors to talk about that cancer and now the fact that you're pregnant. Now, mind you, at eight weeks, your oncologist may not even know you're pregnant. Reach out to them, even if you're in the same system and you say, oh, well, he can see the test. I'm telling you, we don't look at that unless you are like on our radar and about to come to the visit or if it's a test we've ordered. So make sure that your doctors, all of them know that you are pregnant and you have this history of a melanoma with a wide local excision, which is just a bigger biopsy of the area. All right, medical intern, what's our last case for today or question, I guess. This one says, Dr. Plenty, I was diagnosed with a rare form of melanoma in my genital area. I was told that it was aggressive. I just found out that I was pregnant at six weeks with my second child. I was given the option to carry my baby and delay my treatment or start immunotherapy or biochemotherapy immediately, which would likely cause a miscarriage. 
is there a safe way for me to carry my baby and start a pregnancy safe treatment? Here's a short answer. If you have an aggressive form of a melanoma, to me, that means that it's advanced stage and it's also rapidly growing. It's more easily spread than the other types of melanomas. For me, that means that you probably have like a nodular melanoma. That's one of the most dangerous kinds. You need to be aggressive with that one. You need to go ahead and get treatment as fast as you can especially if you have advanced stage of melanoma. This can be very life-threatening, meaning, honestly, you may not be around in five years if we don't be aggressive. So then you have to think about it. If you have other children, I always say, what happens to the children that you leave behind? You need to be there to take care of them. So I will be as aggressive as possible. Six weeks is really early, which means that you have 30-something whole weeks left you would need to be delivered. It's a really long time without treatment of something that's aggressive. So the question I would ask your oncologist is, hey, if I delayed my chemo after until after I deliver eight months from now, how does that change my survivability? Okay, I would have an honest conversation. And if he says, hey, if you're not aggressive and you wait, delay this by six months, you're going to have stage four cancer that can, you know, give you a very low life expectancy, then you have to ask yourself, is it worth having a baby to leave the baby by themselves, to leave the baby with the dad or with another family member? Okay. So you have to ask yourself that. And usually when I talk about these very early pregnancies with my patients, because patients don't ever want to make the decision to end a pregnancy or to take a medicine that's in their best interest, that's questionably not in the best interest of their baby. But without you, there can be no baby, okay? If you don't get treated aggressively, your health can really deteriorate over the course of those trimesters. And you may need a quick cesarean section even if you don't have the strength to have a vaginal delivery or if you're failing to thrive, meaning you're starting to be malnourished and reflect that you have cancer We don't want that to happen. We'd rather be as aggressive as possible to stop progression of the cancer so that you can be here. And I know that that may mean miscarriage. You know, mind you, I is this is Pregnancy Pearls podcast. We are in the business of babies, but we also like to make sure that the moms are the healthiest versions of themselves. And if you have any type of cancer, you will have this conversation about whether they carry the pregnancy or to get treatment. And immunotherapy is not something, or biochemotherapy bio, uh, shouldn't be started in pregnancy. So you have to, if you do, you have to understand that there's a risk of miscarriage. Now we could sit down and have a multidisciplinary meeting about, hey, what does chemotherapy by itself look like? What are some medicines that we could use that have less toxic effect to the unborn child to see if that can prolong the pregnancy? But when you start from six weeks, that's a really long time to go on something that's not first line because we're delaying the pregnancy until the baby gets to a good gestational age. That may mean the difference of you surviving another year or two and not surviving anything. So we have to figure that piece out and everybody needs to get on the same page to make a treatment plan 
to explore all of those options of chemotherapy before we just go straight to immunotherapy. Now, immunotherapy and biochemotherapy, I can't ever say that word, y'all. Biochemotherapy are both now the new first lines for melanoma, but in pregnancy, it can, uh, let me repeat, it can put you at risk for miscarriage. So you have to be conscious that if you do decide to get therapy, there's a chance that it can cause a miscarriage. The other piece is some of these immunologic agents can also cause issues with brain development in the baby, which can lead to some long-term issues with kids' cognition and development. Okay, the kids can have developmental delay and things like that. So we want to keep all of that in mind when we're talking to our cancer team so that that we look at all the options and make the best possible decision that seats your intentions, whether that's to not be pregnant or your intentions to try to carry the baby as long as you possibly can before needing or requiring something like immunotherapy. All right. So I think that that's all of our cases for today. And y'all, I'm telling you, this was sort of a heavy topic. Nobody really wants to talk about cancer and pregnancy, but because I had two cases this week about this and a consult for this, I thought to myself, man, if this is a third of all cancers, we really do have to talk about it. It would be doing you guys a disservice to not put it out there so that you can know what you need to look for and how it's managed and treated after or if you ever get that kind of diagnosis, which I pray that none of you listening have that kind of diagnosis or will ever get it. But if you do, at least you can say you know exactly what to ask about your treatment plan and you knew exactly what to expect from your uh, workup. Again, thank you guys for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. I hope that you've learned more about melanoma and pregnancy. And if you enjoyed the show, make sure to share it with your friends, rate and comment. Now, if you did not enjoy the show, mm, save you a little two cents. <laughs> I'm just joking. I do respect constructive feedback. So give me that too. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. You can feel free to catch up on some of the old YouTube channel videos for quick talks about pregnancy complications. The website, drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy downloadables. And for goodness sake, please catch up on this podcast for all the good stuff and good information so that you can be prepared for your pregnancy. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.